Hello, and welcome to Leadership Stories with Dr. Mary, helping leaders lead with their best life story. I'm Dr. Mary Mkandawire, medical doctor, now turned leadership consultant, and a lifelong lover of great stories. Each week, I combine my passion for great stories with my passion for great leadership to bring you inspiring as well as actionable tips and strategies to help you love your life, lead with impact, and transform your world. Thanks for joining me today. Let's jump straight into your weekly dose of leadership stories. As usual, joining me for a conversation today is my producer, Yamikani. Welcome. Yes. Yes. Good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So last week, we kind of left people on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yes, right? yes. I will mm-hmm. be part of those people to say, that was not fun. It's just that was like, not fun. Right. Why? I was waiting for... Let's dig into the why right now. Okay. Uh, But that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. powerful story because it kept us thinking through Mm -hmm. a lot of things. So thank you. Yeah. Well, today's episode is titled Your Mind Matters. Mm. And in last week's episode, we talked about unlocking your potential. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of sparked off. Remember, I was listening to this preacher online and he says, Africa is the richest continent in the world Mm -hmm. with reference to natural resources Mm -hmm. and the poorest continent in the world in terms of living conditions yes. africa's main problem is not money it's uh, mindsets mm, mm-hmm. mm, yeah which after we scratched the surface we <laughs> felt like okay i think he there's some he truth basically there, right? said some, yeah yeah uh, important things in there mm. so the problem with africa isn't a lack of resources it's mindset so what is the solution then so mm. in this episode i want to spend some time first of all just demonstrating that our minds matter because some people might still be saying mm, yeah, kind of on the fence. True. So this episode, true. I think let's just actually demonstrate that what's going on in your mind mm. actually does affect your reality. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So whatever you're seeing in your life right now yeah. is a consequence of what's going on in your thoughts. Mm. All right. You are responsible whatever you're seeing in your life. Mm. Okay? Mm. Let me back it up, though. I was yeah? about to say, can you unpack it, please? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. okay. This is actually being backed up by scientific research okay. and in medicine, okay. right? So I'll just share some studies. The first one goes way back to 1901. That's so some time back. Yeah, it is some time back. So American psychologist, Professor Norman Triplett, he carried out an interesting experiment with fish. Mm. So he divided a fish tank using a glass partition and placed some small fish on one side and two large predatory fish on the other. So the predators immediately tried to catch the small fish, only to bang their heads against this invisible glass barrier. Ah. So the big fish tried again and again to catch the small fish, and every time, no success, they'd hit into this invisible barrier. So the experiment was repeated daily over several months, and the attacks grew fewer and fewer in number until finally the large fish stopped trying to catch the small fish altogether. Mm. So then Professor Triplett, you know, changes the experiment a bit. He removes the glass partition and allows the small fish to swim freely with the large fish. Hmm. And you would have thought the predators now, like, yeah. Game time. Yeah, game time. But they didn't even try to harm the small fish. They showed no interest whatsoever in these small fish. They only ate the fish, the food rather, that the professor provided. And they just swam around, you know, very enthusiastically. And they seemed to have lost confidence in their hunting abilities. Wow. The other interesting thing, though, was the fish would swim up to where the barrier had been. Mm -hmm. And they'd make a few hesitant moves you know, as if expecting to bump into something. Yeah. And they appeared at a loss when they didn't feel it. 
but they actually turned and swam along the tank at an angle as if the glass divider was still there. Wow. So these fish, although they were physically free, they behaved as though the imposed limitation still existed. Were still there. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it was all in their mind, essentially. I guess a fish does have a mind, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is... That is is heavy. Okay. Sometimes I feel like there's so many limitations we give ourselves Mm. that are actually no longer supposed to be there Mm. uh, simply because there was a time things used to be a certain way. Yeah. And now it's 2020. Mm -hmm. We're still living like it's 1990. Mm. We're still thinking like it's Mm -hmm. 1990. We're still spending resources like it's 1990. We're Mm. still afraid of things that are no longer there. Or simply because the barrier is still in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's still stuck somewhere that this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's how I'm thinking that it expresses itself. That no, no, this is the only way to do this thing. Mm. Because uh, before... Before, that was the only way to do that thing. Mm -hmm. But now you have internet, you have uh, technology, you can do some things that used to take 10 hours. Uh, Like even recording this podcast, Mm -hmm. if we would go old school, we really, Mm. really, really needed to make this entire room a studio or something like that. But right now we can just bring a laptop, a few microphones and Mm -hmm. a sound card boom, we've recorded things done, and yeah. like, my mind is like, no, no, that's not how we do it. Yeah. For us to have quality, we need this, 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 this. Mm. Well, now to have quality, you just need a good uh, software and a good sound card and mm. a few good microphones and you still get it. Yeah, but that's true. I mean, that's the way we do things even in organizations, right? Yeah. The way we do things around here. So let me tell you a different story then. Mm-hmm. So we trained in the UK yeah. and came back to Malawi doing medicine, going to the hospital. Yeah. And we see just different things because we're full of enthusiasm. We're young doctors. We're coming mm-hmm. back to On Malawi. Fire. Yeah. And trying to make changes and what have you. Yeah. And then people are like, just wait. <laughs> wait for a few months. <laughs> You'll get into the system. You know? And in a way, they were right because it's like you try fighting and fighting and it wears you down because you try to do this and that. But it's like, that's not the way we do things around here. And so a lot of my colleagues from the the first year of medical school, Mm -hmm. they actually left the country. Wow. You know, and some stayed, but with real frustration, Mm. but a lot left because they couldn't deal with the way we do things around here. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. the, the barriers our minds can carry can really yeah. influence the mm-hmm. outcome of our work or yeah. our service. That's that's a mm-hmm. really interesting yeah. fish truth. <laughs> no, okay. Because you think it's that's <laughs> not just fish okay, truth. Okay, okay. Let me go now to the the human being. Oh yeah. Right, okay. Right? Let's, let's get to let's humans. Human be- <laughs> let's get to humans. Okay. So let me tell you a story about um, a guy. This is now the 1960s, I think, in the okay. U.S. There's this so guy. we're moving. 1960s. We're moving from 1901 now in the 1960s. Great. So there was this guy called Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. And he had advanced cancer in his whole body. There were tumors the size of oranges. Mm. And his doctor, Dr. West, he didn't expect him to live beyond the end of the week. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Wright had heard of an experimental drug mm-hmm. called crabiazin. And he insisted that, you know, Dr. Dr. West, just give this a try. Yeah. So Dr. West is like, what harm can it do, right? The guy's dying anyway. Yeah. So he administers this drug one Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. fully expecting not to find this guy at the end of the weekend. Wow. 
but he walks onto the ward on a Monday mm -hmm. and he hears laughter and he's like, what's going on? And he's surprised to see this patient, Mr. Wright, standing at the nurse's station, cracking jokes and making everybody laugh. And he writes down, because he recorded this, and he says that tumor masses the size of snowballs, it was like they had melted on a hot stove. Wow. And 10 days after the first dose of crabiazin, yeah. Mr. Wright was discharged from hospital. What? Yeah. But the story has twists and turns, right? Okay. So two months later, Mr. Wright, because this guy likes reading too much. Yeah, yeah. So in his reading, he finds an article where it's revealed that crabiazin is actually totally ineffective as a huh. cancer treatment. And guess what? The cancer returned immediately. What? So alarmed by this, the Dr. West decides to do something. Mm -hmm. And he tells Mr. Wright, wait, wait, wait. I've got a new super refined double strength version of the drug. Wow. And he injects Mr. Wright with distilled water. What? But it worked. The tumor shrank what? again. They did. What? <laughs> but wait, we're not done yet. <laughs> okay. Right? All right, keep going. So, I'll stop cutting. Uh -huh. Okay, go <laughs> So Mr. Wright was the picture of health. That's what his doctor writes. For another two months until the American Medical Association announced that a nationwide study of crabiazin had proved that the drug was totally worthless. And Mr. Wright died within two days. That's a crazy story. It is a crazy story, but it's true. And the wow. doctor actually recorded everything that went on. Huh. Yeah, crazy but true. Just like that. Mm -hmm. He believed this was going to work. And he was and fine. It was fine. Mm -hmm. Someone said there's no way this thing can work. The man and is he dead. Gave up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I've got another one for you as well. Okay. Since we're still on, you said fish truth. No, okay. no, no. This is human <laughs> this, being this truth. This is human okay. being truth. This is human being Great. truth. It's no longer okay. fish truth. right? Now, now we've moved from the 1960s. We're now in 1996. All right. Great. So some scientists recruited students to take part in a study of something called Trivaricane, a new painkiller. So Trivaricane was a brown lotion with a distinctive smell, and it was painted onto the skin. What the students didn't know was that Trivaricane was simply a mixture of water, iodine, and thyme oil, none of which are painkillers. Wow. So each student had one index finger painted with Trivaricane, while the other was left untreated. And then both index fingers were squeezed in turn using a vice. And the students reported significantly less pain in the treated finger, huh. even though the medicine was not real. Wow. Yeah. And then in Japan, I don't know what year this is now. So in Japan, they carried out a study on people who were extremely allergic to poison ivy. I think that's something like chitetsu. Right? Yeah. Mm. So the participants, they had, okay, one of their arms was rubbed with a harmless leaf, mm -hmm. but they were told that this leaf is poison ivy. Yeah. The other arm was rubbed with a leaf that actually was poison ivy. Mm -hmm. So they're told that this, this leaf isn't poison ivy when it actually is. The other leaf, this is not poison ivy, huh. when it, or whatever. I'm getting, am I, am I confusing myself? No, you're, you're fine. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, All right. You're, you're doing amazing. <laughs> okay. So basically what happened was that all the participants broke out in a rash where the harmless leaf touched their skin just because they'd been told it was poison ivy, whereas only two of them reacted to the actual poison ivy. Because they'd been told this isn't poison ivy. Huh. Yeah. And now, wait, with, uh, the last one that I tell you is now surgery, actual surgery. Actual, actual surgery. Actual surgery now. Okay. So orthopedic surgery. Uh -huh. There's arthroscopic surgery where they kind of do keyhole surgery. They put in 
probes into people's knees. And so they'd taken one group of patients went under fake surgery. So they were actually put to sleep, went in and the, pay, the people in theater just kind of made the noises as if they're actually doing the real surgery. Another group actually yeah. had the surgery done. Huh. They discovered that there was no difference in the outcome. What? Because previously the patients had complained about pain in their knees. Yeah. Those ones who had the actual surgery, those who had the fake surgery, they both reported improvements. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, that reminds me, before I even make a comment on that. Yeah. So when we do sound, right, at mm. events, mm-hmm. I've noticed when uh, the band players on stage, and I'm sorry if you are listening, if you're in a band, please. Mm. <laughs> but when the band guys look at the engineer yeah, um, and say, hey, I need something loud, and the engineer just looks like he's touching something without wow. even doing anything, the guys on stage believe something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so You've they, given the game away now. <laughs> they're not going to believe you now. All right, guys, gonna... that, that was just one moment. All of you guys, it works. Come on, people. Come on. You don't do it all the time, right? Uh, no, just, not all the time. just happened once, right? It only yeah. happened once. Let's just look at it that way. Yeah, you know? so it's mind. Yeah, yeah so the mind, the, perception. the, the guy mm. uh, feels like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. especially just give them a thumb, thumbs up. Like, yeah. yo, man, this yeah, is, you're done. sounding great. Done. They're like, mm-hmm. he says I'm sounding great. Yeah. I'm definitely sounding great. I'm going to enjoy this song because I'm sounding great. That's, I like I'm that I'm great one. at doing this thing. I like so, that one. So I, I think there's that mm-hmm. place where I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this this yeah. is... This is real. Yeah. <laughs> so real. it's human truth then. It's human it truth is a right human now. Truth. I am with you. It's not just because fish I've truth. experienced. It. Yeah. I've experienced mm-hmm. it. This is actually human truth. Mm. The mind. Okay, so we've talked from the science angle, but mm-hmm. the Bible actually tells us in mm-hmm. Proverbs 4:23, mm-hmm. be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Yes. The results you're currently experiencing in your life are a direct result of whatever is going on in your mind. Mm. If you want to see different outcomes, you need to start thinking differently. In life, you get what you expect. When Mr. Mm. Wright believed that Krabizin worked, he was healed. The moment he stopped believing, he felt ill again. When the students expected Trevaricane to relieve pain, they experienced less pain. So expectation and belief produced results. So I believe the problem in Africa is that our thinking has been too small. We have a poor self-image. We've been believing the lies that we're poor, uneducated, unresourceful, and that we need somebody from the outside to come in and rescue us. Yeah, can I say it in a weird way? Yeah. We Mm. are waiting for the white man to come and say we can do this, and then we feel like, oh, my God. We oh, can do it. Oh, he went there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that just came out. Um, I don't know if we can edit that part, but no, don't just, edit it. Right. But it's it's actually a reality in my yes. space where we do consulting work and yes. training and what have you. Yes. What I've experienced is that um, on occasion, yeah. you'll find that uh, companies would rather hire somebody who comes from outside, wow. whether they have the even less qualifications than wow. you or whatever, but just because they've come from outside, outside mm. essentially. Mm. And I don't think it's only in my space. I think it's, I've heard it's that everywhere. From, yeah. In, even in like, mm-hmm. in the kind of media stuff that we do. Yeah. Uh, people just feel better to have someone mm. who's not from here to do their sound mm. 
than really? have someone local. And you're like, I technically wrote the work they're using on that. But yeah. so, so it's yeah. just that the reality of uh, the self-image that you were talking about, mm. like mm-hmm. how we value each other and how we look at each other. It's almost like a status thing. Having mm. someone from outside mm-hmm. makes your work carry a heavier mm. weight Somehow, I th- I don't know where we get that from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like uh, an expert is here, and yeah. and and yeah. the rest of us who have the same training and even taught mm-hmm. around those same classes to train those experts. Yeah, we're not really expert enough yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, it's a reality uh, mm-hmm. that I think Africa has to get out of. Yeah, and that's actually a reflection of our own poor self-image. Because Mm. if you have a poor image of yourself, you expect less of yourself. Mm. And if you expect less of yourself, you expect less of others too. So if you believe you're incapable of achieving simply because you're an African or you're a woman or you think you're too old or too young or whatever limitation you place on yourself, then you'll believe that anyone else who fits that same category Mm. is incapable of achieving too. So if I have a low self-image of myself because I'm a woman, because I'm an African, because of my age or whatever, then I project that onto other people who also fit in that category. So wow. if as an African, I think I need somebody else from outside to do this, it's it's not really on them, it's on me. It's wow. my perception. It's how I'm projecting that on them. So basically, mm. I use what I think are my limitations as a mm. standard for what mm-hmm. other people can do. Exactly. That is crazy. That is exactly right. That, that is, is exactly really right. Let crazy. me give you an example from my life, right? Okay. Go so for I was it. the only woman in the first group of doctors to graduate from College of Medicine, right? Mm. And so as a young doctor, I go onto the wards. I've got my stethoscope, my white yes. coat, just yes. like my male colleagues, yeah. right? Yes. But then the patients, when they see the my male colleagues, they're like, Adogodala, Adogoda, yes. you know, doctor. Yeah. But when they see me, they're like, a nurse, wow. a nurse. So they're calling me a nurse. Just because I'm a woman. (laughs) And my male colleagues, they're calling them a doctor. And it wasn't just the doctor. So any man in a a white coat and a stethoscope, medical assistant, clinical officer, even a male nurse, they call them a dogodal. But me, me (laughs) (laughs) just because I'm a woman, then I'm a nurse. So that was their perception of what a woman can do and what a man can do. So they projected that onto me. But that was their reality, you know. So if they believe that, you know, a woman can only do certain things, then that's what they they will aspire to. And that's what, you know, they will do. Wow. So Mm -hmm. as as, uh, as someone who experienced that, did you even see it Mm. uh, in your work when you go to schools or places Mm -hmm. to talk to other women? Did you... Mm. have a feeling like other women were surprised that you're a doctor or something like mm-hmm. that? You know what? It's going on even now. Okay. Yeah. So maybe uh, a couple of years ago now, right? Yeah. So this is Blantyre, the city of Blantyre, yes. right? The city God loves me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was involved in a, a mentoring program for uh, young people. Yeah. And we went into a school just in, we say rural Blantyre, but it's in Pemba, just yeah. out in the outskirts of Blantyre. Yeah. So we go into the school and they introduce me as Dr. Mkandawiri. Mm. And you should see the kids, they could not believe that a woman is wow. a doctor. And this is 28, that was 2018, right? Wow. A couple of years ago. They couldn't believe that a woman can be a doctor. But the interesting huh. thing was 
But then I saw the eyes of the girls light up mm. and it was like you could see their brains ticking over that. Yeah. Wow, if this is a woman can be a doctor, be a doctor. then what can I do too? Wow. So a lot of the times I think it's just that lack of exposure yes. that our young people, if all they see in their communities are, you know, a carpenter, a welder, you know, a subsistence farmer, then that's all they aspire to. Wow. That if you don't have that exposure, then your your mind can't be transformed. You can only aspire to the things that you're seeing in your surroundings, in your community. Yeah, which mm. I, I think sometimes it can be a great thing. Sometimes it can work against you. If you, let's mm. say, for example... I, I grew up on a research station uh, back in the day, Vumbu Research mm. Station. And if you asked me then what I wanted to become was what I was seeing my dad and his friends uh, do. Uh, yeah. They were researchers working in the agriculture sector. Yes. That was yes. the only thing I was exposed to. Yeah. Um, and, and the more you move out of places like that, that's when you go like, oh, there are other things. There are other like, things I'm, you can I, do. I literally have a crazy story as a kid. Mm. When we moved from Vumbu to Blanta, mm. I didn't know people had to buy tomatoes, macadamias and stuff like that. Because ah. I grew up in a farming place. All those yeah. things were almost free. My dad wow. would bring those things or would grow them ourselves, especially like the tomatoes and stuff like that, the vegetables. So for me, awesome. going into a shop and finding macadamia for sale looked like people were being mm. robbed. I was like, <laughs> no, you just, you yeah. no, yeah. that brings this stuff. You don't have yeah. to buy. So I think for wow. like that reality of what I was exposed to limited mm. me from seeing how wide the world is that like the yeah. countless opportunities, yeah. the countless things that I could be or come. Mm, mm. You know, as we chatted with these girls in the schools where, where I was going for the mentoring, yeah. we chatted with them about some of the, the challenges that, we're, that they were facing. We still have a long way to go, mm. you know, in terms of mindset regarding uh, just cultural perceptions regarding women, regarding education, regarding priorities, regarding values. Yes. And just you could just see that the expectations of our young people, Yeah. sometimes they're just too low. Yeah. That is a reality, so, though. Uh, mm. Because when... Can I go there? <laughs> Where are you going? You keep, taking, you keep taking us to these controversial places. Uh, Don't you know? I'm just a kind of nice... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh -huh. But I think when you live in a society that corruption is celebrated mm. and someone gets to get away with stealing a lot of resources yeah. and then someone gets to be killed for stealing a chicken. Exactly, um, right? You get tires put on them and burned yeah. and what have you for just petty uh, theft. Mm. As a young people, the things mm. you aspire to can be strange. You can... You mm. can celebrate people that get away with bad stuff mm -hmm. um, and look down upon people that, uh, you know, are getting caught or doing stuff like mm. that. And especially in, in, uh, in the stories that we continuously hear, mm. um, we rarely, even in our books or even our papers, I don't know, mm -hmm. someone can point out how wrong I am, but I feel like we can, I can go to a school book and celebrate 50 Malawians that have done incredible things. Mm. Um, like I can't find that. So a whole generation mm. um, is really growing up, being taught stories of people that are not Africans, that mm. have done amazing things. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, that mindset of it still has to be someone else who's not African to do incredible yeah. things. Yeah. And at the same time, the actual stories we're engaging with every day in society, in the villages, mm. it's not our local heroes. It's, mm. it's, it's literally the people that have 
done much are only able to do that because other people from elsewhere came in. Mm. So I think the more we don't have stories of our own local people uh, being celebrated more, and I know there's mm-hmm. spaces where, like this, where you mm-hmm. highlight stories of people. Uh, there was someone on Facebook uh, this last uh, week who celebrated women with PhDs in this country. Mm. And it was an amazing liberating thing to mm. watch and see. Just like, man, I didn't even know we had those much of women with PhDs and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and like, if imagine what that would do to other women, to mm-hmm. other girls who yeah. think, you know what, this is where you end. It's like almost their entire life was written for them and it's being handed to them. When mm. they see other women or other young people getting to think and to do life outside the box, mm-hmm. it's liberating. So, mm. so I feel like the more we have almost like references that it is possible to think different, to be different, the more uh, we can uh, allow our culture and our places to change in a way that will let humanity flourish. And yeah, you know, as you were speaking, something came to mind when you're talking about the type of heroes that are celebrated. Yeah, And I think that comes to the core when we are now that first statement that kind of led to all of this where it talks about Africa's resources. You know, we have lots of resources, but the countries are poor. This is all about leadership, right? Yeah. It comes down to our leaders Mm. and the kind of leaders that are getting into positions and what their aspirations are. Because as I look and I see a lot of leaders in Africa, I kind of wonder what the actual motivation is for leadership. And in fact, I don't even have to wonder because you can see it (laughs) in terms of what actually happens. Yes. Because for me, as we learn about leadership, we learn that leadership is service and what have you. But when I look at our African leaders, their aspirations seem to be all about themselves. True. And what they, they want. It's like getting into that position. It's how rich can I become and how fast can I do it, you know, within this space of five years that I have? And then once they're there, they don't want to leave after those five years. They want to extend it even more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So it is that mindset that they have, you know, what is the mindset of our African leaders? And that mindset needs to shift if we're going to actually develop as a nation, as a continent rather. Mm-hmm. That needs to shift. shift. I mean, we see some positive stories in some yes. countries, but we've got a long way to go. Mm. A long way to go. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to make sure I'm watching what I'm feeding my mind yeah. so that I become better and better and grow mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, mm. in uh, thinking better for my people, for where God has planted me to mm. let humanity flourish and yeah. grow there. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for in this episode. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for joining me and my producer, Yamikani. If you have a question or a comment, leave a voice message. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To engage further, follow the links to my website, my social media. Thanks for listening. And always remember, you were created to love your life, lead with impact, and transform your world.